Good morning once again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, so our text for today invites us into a conversation about our bodies, <laughs> these distinctly human parts of us. So our face, our skin, our hair, our lungs, our beating heart, these tender bodies which are the source of all of our warmth and softness and our strength and our fragility and are what enables us to connect with one another and with God uh, relationally and spiritually. And one of the gifts of our Christian tradition is this notion of incarnation. So this idea that when we look to Jesus, we are seeing perfect love embodied in a human body like ours. And so our text for today from Romans invites us to become curious then about what it might mean for us to show mercy to our own bodies as God does. So that's where we're headed today with this conversation. So to help us enter into this discussion, I'll invite us to begin by uh, just take a moment to connect with your own body this morning, perhaps by creating some silence around you and within you. You might begin by slowing down your out-breath. If it's helpful to close your eyes, feel free. I'm going to give us a moment to settle in here and notice how this one simple act of slowing down our out-breath, placing attention on the rhythm of our inhale and exhale can Bring our attention to what's happening inside us. And spiritual traditions all over the world have recognized that connecting with our breath can become a helpful way of becoming aware of the presence of God, the presence of the Spirit, the presence of perfect love. So with that awareness, you might begin to slowly scan your body now starting either from the head and slowly moving down or starting from the feet and slowly moving up. <laughs> and as you're doing this, notice any place in your embodied self that's giving you information, a feeling, emotion, sensation. See if you can name what that is. And I'm going to give you a good moment now. Just see what you notice. What is your body feeling today? All right, friends, with these last few breaths, allow a word or a phrase to surface that 
Uh, name something happening inside you, physically, emotionally, spiritually. What is your body feeling this morning? And if you're open to it, turn to a neighbor and share something you noticed, a word or a phrase, and uh, then I'll bring us back together. All right. So if, if you're willing to share a word or a phrase with the rest of us, uh, just call it out popcorn style. What's a word or phrase, a feeling, emotion, sensation? You don't have to explain it. Just what did you notice? What's happening inside you? What are you feeling? Hot. hot. Happy? And hot. And hot. <laughs> Double down on hot. Calm. Needing a massage. A few more. Sleepy. Present. Recovering. Recovering. One more. Invigorated. Invigorated. Uh, I wasn't always able to do what you just did by checking in with your embodied self and listening to how you're feeling. So you can feel really good about having been able to do that just now. And also, if you found any part of that difficult, if uh, your body is sometimes someplace you would prefer not to be. You are in good company. You're not alone. Uh, I learned growing up that it was not always safe to fully feel what was happening inside me and express it. And that may be your story too. That ability to disconnect from our bodies and what we're feeling may have helped us survive some really hard things. And also, it's been said that much of our spiritual maturity is about learning what to do with our pain, with those emotions and bodily sensations that feel difficult, sometimes impossible to tolerate and live with and express. And so the big question I'm inviting us into today is this. How do we show mercy to our bodies? as God does? How do we embody patient, nonviolent love toward ourselves as a practice that will then enable us to embody that for others? Here at Vox, we're engaging nonviolent love uh, in a lot of ways, following Jesus's example. A few weeks ago, I offered a homily about what nonviolent love towards animals in the natural world might mean for us. And that question sparked meaningful conversation, which Waylon and Christopher and Vanessa and Kimberly and I and others on the preaching team are so glad to have with you. And so if that's something you're still reflecting on, I would love to sit down with you and have coffee and listen to how the practice of nonviolent love is connecting with your story. And if you're new to the Vox community, you'll find we're experimenting with nonviolent love in lots of different ways that are going to look different for each of us in different seasons. And so this morning, I'll invite us to consider three additional ideas of what following Jesus' example of nonviolent love could mean. And towards the end of our homily, I'll invite you to listen to the wisdom of your own body and see what you feel curious about how you might be interested to experiment with deepening your practice so that we may learn from you as well.
So our text for today begins with Paul's words here from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where we read this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters and siblings, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the first thing we might notice here is the word mercy. This word here in the Greek holds the sense of like visceral compassion, bodily compassion, a deep feeling for someone else's suffering. I appeal to you, therefore, dear siblings, on the basis of God's bodily compassion for you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So notice with me here, Paul is evoking this provocative image of the system of temple sacrifice. And that was a system of death where animals were presented as a dying sacrifice in an attempt to purchase God's favor. And Jesus undid that system, and Paul is continuing to undo that system, flipping it on its head in the mind of the listener by offering this new idea. Present your body not as a dying sacrifice, but a living one. And one way we might think about what that means is by showing mercy to our own bodies through gentleness as a way to resist violence. So let's acknowledge it's, that may be hard for us to imagine. It's been hard for me to imagine for much of my life. It's hard for us to learn to show ourselves something that we weren't shown a lot of growing up. And many of us, including myself, were not shown a lot of gentleness in childhood. And many of us in adulthood then are learning to do just that, to show ourselves more gentleness and discovering that spiritual maturity is often not about trying harder. It's often about trying softer. In the words of Andy Kolber, trying softer isn't about knowing or doing the right thing. It's about being gentle with ourselves in the face of pain that's keeping us stuck because no matter how hard we try, we can't hate or shame ourselves into change. Only love can move us toward true growth. This is the love given to us by a gentle, kind, compassionate, good God, and the love we're invited to give ourselves to. This idea was really helpful to me a couple of weeks ago. I was in the Pacific Northwest with the wonderful person I'm seeing, Austin, and we were visiting his family, and my own father and stepmom also have a house in the Pacific Northwest. To get to my folks' house from where Austin's parents live, we had to drive a couple of hours, which meant we had to borrow a car, and then we had to take a ferry 30 minutes across the bay. And so there were already some ways in which uh, it, we were, I was trying really hard to go see my folks. And that's a familiar pattern in my relationship with my father and my stepmother, is that I tend to try very hard with them. And that trying hard is sometimes violent to myself. And this particular day, we were trying to get across the bay to see them, and several things went wrong. The first ferry couldn't sail because the tides were too low, and then the second ferry didn't have room for our vehicle, so we were going to be without a vehicle if we got to the other side. And I felt really stuck 
there by the water between trying to decide if I should keep trying harder to make this trip work or just push the eject button. And I felt incredibly sad and defeated. And I sat by the water's edge and I prayed and I talked it through with Austin and I was watching the waves go back and forth and this question surfaced, which option feels more like trying softer? <laughs> and which option feels more gentle in my body? And that question was a new one for me, and it was super helpful. And I knew that the try softer, not harder option would be the one that felt less violent. And so I decided the best thing was just to stay there close to the ferry dock, have lunch. My parents could come see us and have lunch with us if they wanted to or not, and either way it would be fine, and they did. And it ended up being simple, <laughs> and quick, and in some ways it made the entire trip seem ridiculous that we had <laughs> gone out of distance for something so um, brief, but uh, it ended up being gentle and soft and just the right thing. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. For me, who tends to always double down and try harder, this learning to try softer is like presenting my body alive, <laughs> like fully alive and present to my relationships and to God and to myself. And it's a nonviolence um, that is helping me be embodied nonviolent love in the world. It's also, it's a form of worship. And I like this word reasonable. It's a reasonable form of worship <laughs> because violence is not reasonable. So we're reasoning out together what nonviolent love looks like in practice. So how might we continue that practice this week, uh, reflecting on what it might mean to show mercy to our own bodies as God does through gentleness, instead of always assuming, as I do, that the solution is just to keep trying harder. <laughs> Um, so holding that in mind, let's look now at how our text continues with this. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the second thing we might notice here is this word renewing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word here in the Greek renew, it holds the sense of growing up, like regenerating in a process, completing a process, moving from one stage to a higher one. And the root of the word is up and fresh, <laughs> like moving upward into a fresh stage of spiritual growth or development. That brings to mind, for me, something of a paradox, which you may have noticed, that in order to grow and mature, we have to find ways of meaningfully resting. And this may also seem counterintuitive, but resting is what enables our bodies to regenerate. It's what allows our brains to grow and rewire and form new and increasingly more complex neural connections. A coworker of mine recently introduced me to an artist and theologian, Trisha Hersey. Her latest book is called Rest is Resistance. Hersey is the founder of what she calls the NAP ministry. <laughs> she says the NAP ministry is rooted in the renewal of spiritual energy and centered in black liberation, in womanism, 
in somatics, which means caring for the soul by caring for the body. And she says this, you don't have to grind, hustle, accept burnout as normal to be and be in a constant state of exhaustion and sleep deprivation. You don't have to kill yourself spiritually or physically to live a fruitful life. And marginalized women, specifically black and Latina women, make up the largest group of laborers in the capitalist system. Our labor historically has been used to make the lives of white women less hectic and more relaxed. Release the shame you feel when resting. It does not belong to you. You are not unworthy. The systems are unworthy. The end is a well-rested future, and our resistance is the balm for a deeply traumatized world. These are important words. And she also adds, I hope you are reading this book while laying down. <laughs> Theologians like Hersey are helping us see that rest is a way of resisting violence, of refusing to participate in systems of exploitation and overconsumption and oppression. So that we will not be conformed to this age, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That process of renewal and resistance requires napping. <laughs> it requires meditating and finding ways to connect with our bodies, daydreaming, imagining new and creative possibilities for ourselves and our lives and our future. And so how might we practice this as an act of nonviolent love, of showing mercy to our bodies as God does this week through rest? Is there maybe a restful practice your body's been craving, a nap ministry of sorts for yourself that you could nudge up higher in your priority list this week? Maybe it's spending time in nature or working a puzzle or reading for pleasure or painting or meditating or free writing. Uh, I'll be interested to hear what you're finding helpful as a practice of Jesus's nonviolent love for your body through rest. And so that we can get to the end of liturgy, and perhaps you can start your restful practice today, um, we'll look together at how our text wraps up by saying this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I'll say something about this word discern. It's a word that's related to the way in which bankers would come to be able to identify counterfeit money. And they learn to detect it by studying the real. Learning all those nuances and subtleties of the real thing. So when I think about it related to this, I think about being gentle with ourselves and prioritizing rest as a way of discerning what is really good for us. Not that artificial sweetness and buzziness and hype uh, around us, but what is real, authentic goodness? What does it feel like? How can our body develop a palate for that? And, that? and that way we can discern what truly is perfect for our human bodies. So this word perfect might also surprise us. This word in Greek holds the sense of, it's like the telos, it's the intended end of something. So something fulfills its telos 
its intended purpose, when it becomes complete, all its parts integrated, uh, it's becoming fully grown, fully mature. A helpful image might be, um, like imagine an old pirate's telescope that unfolds <laughs> stage by stage. Uh, it's that idea, it, it unfolds it as a process until it reaches its full strength, its full capacity, its full effectiveness. So discerning what is perfect for our bodies will not be revealed all at once. It unfolds stage by stage as we experiment together. And it will always require discernment, this idea of listening to the spirit through contemplation, listening to community, to trusted others that will each see a different angle or add a different puzzle piece to the picture and listening to our own bodies when we're being gentle with ourselves resting. Our bodies can become trustworthy sources of information about what's helpful for us. So I think this might be what we mean when we talk about healing. We're understanding more and more these days what rewires our brain, what produces this sense of healing, of relief from pain, and it often begins with us learning to care well for our bodies. That is a practice which uh, requires us to be exquisitely patient with ourselves. So I want to share with you the words of Resma Minicum. He says, in today's America, we tend to think of healing as something binary, like either we're broken or we're healed from that brokenness. But that's not how healing operates. It's almost never how human growth works. More often, healing and growth takes place on a continuum with innumerable points between utter brokenness and total health. And recent studies and discoveries increasingly point out that we heal primarily in and through the body, not just through the rational brain. So we can all create more room, more opportunities for growth in our nervous systems, and we do this primarily through what our bodies experience and do not through what we think or realize or cognitively figure out. And so uh, I want to close with this idea. There's this paradoxical reality of healing, and you may have noticed this. Uh, before we leap forward, we tend to regress. <laughs> For whatever reason, this is the way that healing and growth occurs. It's this series of leaping and regressing, leaping and regressing. And if you have children, there may be places in which you've noticed this pattern in their growth and development, or perhaps this resonates with your own healing process emotionally or physically or spiritually. Uh, in the summer of 2020, my mother shattered her leg in three places and it took 12 weeks before she could walk again. And during those 12 weeks, there were a lot of regressions where I panicked. <laughs> but she did heal. And we call her Go-Go Grana because she has more energy and stamina than any of us. And in some ways, her leg is stronger now than it was before. And in my life, I'm also coming to trust that this is simply the way healing happens. It's through this series of leaps and regressions. And I think this may be part of what it means to discern the will of God. So learning to recognize regression as an essential part of healing, something important is happening in that backward step. So don't panic. <laughs> 
allow regression to be another invitation to gentleness and rest and patience. And trust that regression, if we're in a meaningful healing process, it will also propel us forward into a deeper understanding of nonviolent love. And sometimes it will look like things are unraveling. In that moment, right before the tapestry gets tightened up and flipped over, and then we can see the image on the other side, it will become more clearly beautiful. So friends, how might we practice nonviolent love by showing mercy to our bodies and being patient with our healing process this week? How might we learn to value the backward step? How might we come to appreciate both the leaping forward, which we love, as well as the regressive spiraling, which we tend to love less, <laughs> but is also an essential part of an embodied healing and spiritual maturity process. So uh, I'm going to close us with this invitation. We open today by creating some stillness inside us and around us, and I'd like to invite you to do that again as we close. Perhaps by once more slowing down your out-breath, exhaling. Take a moment and once more scan your body, starting either from the head, slowly moving down, or from the feet, moving up. Becoming aware once more of the presence of the Spirit within you and between you. And notice what's resonating with you from this discussion. Allow a word or a phrase to surface for you, something you wish to continue reflecting on or an insight maybe you have to contribute to this conversation. Just... Uh, Usually the first word that occurs to you is the right one. So just notice it. Imagine placing it in the palm of your hand. And when you're ready, I invite you once more to turn to a neighbor and share that word or phrase from today's conversation, something you're wanting to continue reflecting on as you leave from here. And I'll give you a moment. Just turn to someone next to you so that you can share and listen. And then I'll bring us back together. In a word or a phrase, what's staying with you? What are you going to continue reflecting on? Just call it out. We'll see if there are some themes are gathering. Call it out loudly. Wondering. Gentleness, patience, upfreshing. Up One more time. Be, be nice to each other. Thank you. One more. Acceptance. So whether you share it out loud or are holding it uh, inside, we'll invite you to continue this conversation uh, inside you and uh, between us. And thank you for bringing your body to liturgy today. <laughs>
and for being open to yourself and to the scriptures and to one another that we can be reminded we're in this together in our practice of gentleness, of rest, of patience with our healing process as we learn to embody the nonviolent love of Jesus made visible in us and through us. I'll close us with this prayer. It's called A Blessing for One Who is Human. Vox friends, when you don't know whether to laugh or cry, may you find a resting place somewhere in between. When everything around you flashes important, may you know the significance of you being you. When you wonder what will go wrong next, may you take comfort in the knowledge that whatever it is, you will not be alone. When you're disillusioned and despairing, may your compass guide you to those whom you can trust. And when you lay down to sleep or nap, <laughs> may love envelop you in the peace of those who know their bodies are both fragile and protected. In the love of God, the deep rest of Christ, and the spiral healing of the Spirit. Amen.